Welcome back, everyone. This is another episode of It Is What It Is podcast. I'm your host, Cody Kelly, bringing you the midweek news recap. Going to jump jump into some uh, interesting articles, but first, I just want to make sure everybody had a great Labor Day weekend. Yeah, three day weekend, which is much needed. I know everybody kind of broke their diet rules, and this is kind of their first uh, day back into the gym, or at least in the healthy eating habits. I know it is for me. Spend my weekend eating all terrible food, um, everything but Popeye's chicken sandwiches. And I feel great uh, because I tried to convince myself that if I did enough cardio, I could offset some of these bad eating habits. Uh, So uh, back at it, definitely going to try to become more disciplined uh, in one way or another when it comes to healthy nutrition. Uh, Haven't quite conquered it, but I'm on my way. We're going to jump into some interesting articles, um, some news developments that have happened out of the Amazon sphere, uh, looking at kind of their Prime Day shipping rollout. Also going to take a turn into Ford Motor Company and their global investment strategy and some of the interesting developments that have happened out of Ford over uh, the weekend. We're also going to take a look into our global partners looking at the extradition bill uh, that has been presented to Hong Kong. Also going to look at some investment news uh, with Jackson National. Uh, Then we're going to take a look into the behavioral pattern in uh, U.S. expectancy on the dollar and kind of how it's standing up as the U.S. dollar just hit a two-year high, uh, looking at making another milestone, and some also Chicago developments uh, that's going to come your way. Stay tuned. I'm your host, Cody Kelly. Look forward to connecting with you and covering these segments. Thanks. Great article written by Michael Sheets. Amazon's shares uh, will rally nearly 50% as one-day prime shipping rolls out. Um, RBC Capital Market sees that Amazon's one-day shipping program as a driving force has increased subscriptions to Amazon Prime and more spending per household um, is being allocated because of the vehicle of Amazon Prime. The firm... Uh, raises its price target on Amazon to $2,600 per share, which is an increase from $2,250 a share, representing an expected increase of about 46% from current levels. Uh, RBC Capital Markets believes that Amazon will, many will generate accelerating revenue and unit growth uh, from some time as one day prime users go nationwide and worldwide, according to RBC analyst Mark Mahaney. Amazon stock has rose or has risen 0.8% in trading uh, from Tuesday, closing at $1,789.84 per share. It's, RBC has raised its price target on Amazon to $2,600 from $2,250. My thoughts, obviously, you know, Amazon is a global phenomenon. It is probably uh, the leading retailer in the world. Uh, it has dramatically shifted the way we go about shopping and the way we go about acquiring goods overall and that range or that sphere is ever evolving uh, with services like Amazon grocery um, you know you have the prime for now music and TV uh, which is a competitor of Netflix and just kind of uh, dabbling into other sphere even with their 
um, synchrony credit card and the possibility of jumping into the banking space as a lender slash depositor. Um, Amazon is the standard oil of today. With that being said, obviously their share price is going to rise based off the valuation of the company. Is it a good buy? Sure. Definitely, uh, if you can afford uh, to buy these shares outright, or if you have to buy it in fractional uh, segmentation, uh, Amazon definitely is a blue chip investment, uh, and an investment that I could see uh, probably get to around $3,000 within the next um, five-year span. If the economy stays strong and all things go as planned, um, Amazon is what it is. It, it, it's not just a competitor. It is the norm. Uh, I think for a lot of investors that did not get in on Amazon when it was lower and more feasible to get in. But I will say that going forward, uh, Amazon cannot be ignored in, in any sphere. I, I think what makes Amazon so great is that it's willing to be bold and is willing to try out new ventures. It's willing to uh, for lack of a better word, Amazon it, right? The Amazon, uh, the Amazonification of the world, or as they call it, uh, really is the simplifying and user user friendly application toward all systems, whether that's finance, whether that's grocery, whether that's uh, some type of shopping, some type of retailer, if it's fashion, if it's uh, apparel. Um, even if you go into furniture selection, um, car buying, <laughs> as things become more streamlined and, and services become more based off of subscription entities and uh, user-friendly platforms, Amazon is the standard and will be the standard. It's just a matter of what field they want to go into next. So as the evolution and the growth of Amazon continues, obviously the share price will continue to Increase and will be a great buy and a great hold to have. So to have equity in this company, to have stock in this company is 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 needed. I say for the investor is trying to gain enough stock, and obviously you need enough capital to do that. Uh, but for the everyday consumer, uh, I will say as the services expand, one should utilize that. Uh, as a reference point into their next strategy, uh, whether that is investing or or even necessarily competing against understanding what makes Amazon Amazon and understanding where Amazon needs to grow and evolve. Uh, Amazon has made the customer experience everything, and that has to be the model for companies going forward. So my thoughts, Amazon is a great buy. Uh, RBC Capital Markets has it right. They will increase in their share price. It's just a matter of time. Where they're trading at now, obviously, is going to uh, increase. I think volatility. The volatility of Amazon has been because of the political climate, not necessarily uh, because of their own doing. Obviously, with bringing CEOs to Capitol Hill and whatnot, that's all political climate. Uh, but in and of itself, Amazon is just a great investment, great company. Turning our focus to Ford Motor, Motor Company. Uh, Ford Motor Company has planned on ditching its 
strategic plan on unifying the China sales system after partners seemingly have pushed back. Article written by Ben Clayman, uh, Ford Motor Company has scrapped a plan to create a unified national sales company uh, for China. Uh, this stoked mistrust of automaker at its joint venture partners and contributed to a spectacular collapse in the sales for the company into the world's biggest car market. On face value, the plan announced by Ford in June of last year, 2018, was to combine sales channels for the vehicles manufactured in the Chongqing Changan Automobile Company and Jianling Motor Group, which ultimately led to a feasible deal. Uh, it would promote operational efficiency across its global partners at its loss-making uh, China Operations Center and implement a standard uh, practice of procedures, uh, but I guess the deal seemingly ignored realities. Uh, Chinese automakers often 50-50 in partnerships with the foreign car makers are reluctant to lose control over sales decisions, rarely willing to trust each other and loyal to local provinces that are fiercely competitive in their quest for economic growth and tax revenues from vehicle sales. Article goes on to say that there was a lack of deep understanding on how relationships work in China. The Ning Chain, who in October took over as Ford's third China chief in two years, said in an interview in Shanghai, it is the first time that Ford, grappling with a host of problems in China, that present no quick fix. It has disclosed the dropping of the plan, a decision also promoted by a sharp slowdown in China's economic growth amid the trade war with the United States as well as a deeper loss with dealerships. Kind of my thoughts on this uh, is that I think this was a failed uh, understanding of organizational culture. I don't really think that as the writer Ben Clayman goes on to state that it was solely over uh, the Chinese automakers looking for uh, more competitive uh, interest in creating economic growth and tax revenue. I really think it was a matter of mergers of company cultures, sometimes um, having a methodology and, and a system and, and corporate culture that is in place. And when you're looking to create expansion and corporate governance with um, uh, entities, that are not birthed um, from within, you come across differences. And these differences are okay. There's nothing wrong with these differences. But I think these differences are miscalculated and Ford did not take the time and the appropriate measures and steps to understand these differences and to build a bridge that would create uh, this type of convergence and, and conversion. And because of it, I think with that and then with the distrust, because there was not enough uh, human capital invested and then along with uh, e internal, I think, goals on both sides, it kind of led to this demise. So I would agree uh, with Aning, Aning uh, Chan as stated uh, that it is a lack of deep understanding on how relationships work in China. It's a lack of deep understanding of just organizational cultures, period. Ford has to do a better job in looking at not just the bottom line of the analytical data, uh, but understanding that there are people behind these numbers and the understanding of these people, of these individuals, 
behind the numbers is more important than the numbers themselves uh, because people matter and learning you know the culture and learning things that are important to them and learning how to create a true convergence and a true conversion uh, will ultimately be better for the company as a whole so going forward I don't think this is a complete loss uh, but I think Ford has to get back to the drawing board and understand that you need um, to hire and to work with individuals that are different, uh, that have a different set of values and focus and initiatives and vision, and to learn how to bring the two together uh, so that you can have a unified sales system across your global partners. Hong Kong leader to, uh, is expected to meet with the media after killing the extradition bill. Hong Kong leader Carrie Lam is expected to address the media uh, this Thursday, the 5th, day after she withdrew a controversial extradition bill that has triggered mass protests and plunged the Chinese territory into worst political crisis in decades. Lam, in a pre-recorded televised message on Wednesday, formally withdrew the bill. Uh, acceding to one of the pro-democracy protesters' five demands, although many demonstrators and lawmakers said that the move was too little too late. The official uh, China Daily said on Thursday that the withdrawal of the bill was an olive branch that leaves demonstrators with no excuse to continue. The announcement came after reports on Friday and Monday revealed that Beijing had thwarted Lam's earlier proposals to withdraw the bill and that she had privately that she would resign if she could, according to an audio recording. The Beijing-backed leader is expected to meet the media before she departs for a trip to China's uh, Guan province. Uh, skirmishes have broken out in some, in some districts late on Wednesday after Lam's announcements, which came after a weekend of some of the most violent protests the city has seen in the past three months. Um, kind of my thoughts... I think this is when a leader of any country has not taken the proper steps to understand the climate of the culture and the climate of the country and to do um, needed and aggressive measures to remedy, to bring about true solutions, uh, even if that means it's not popular. And when you try to offer a olive branch as a way to silence what has occurred or to put a halt to, sometimes it can be perceived as too little too late. Um, when so much turmoil and controversy and uh, oppression has happened and then when there are mass protests against it, people want results. They want a real definitive game plan. And when you offer... Uh, I won't even say talking points, but just what I would call the 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 happy medium or the compromise, just to get it off of the front page or to get it off of you know a YouTube channel. There's a danger in that because what you have effectively stated is that the problem it is not the agenda nor the responsibility nor the vision nor the desire of the leader government party to create a solution toward this specific problem it is only politically expedient to create a temporary road where business can continue where the status quo can continue 
where everyday life can be less disruptive and is more important to silence disruption than it is to create solution. And when disruption is more important than solution, then truly you were never in it uh, for the beginning. So uh, unfortunately, in this case, it seems like the, the, the evils of political propaganda has struck again. And like I said, creating a pathage or a, a pathway to silence and to end disruption is more important than actually sustaining peace and creating this harmonious balance that's needed in society and actually enacting real solutions. Uh, so we have seen just another example of what is politically uh, necessary versus what needs to be done for the overall good of society. Some news out of the football world. The Denver Broncos have agreed to sell the naming rights for Mile House Stadium, the Mile High Stadium, uh, named to Empower Retirement, article written by Elijah Shama, that the Denver Broncos have agreed to sell the naming rights for Mile High Stadium to Empower Retirement, giving the team a new corporate sponsor following the Sports Authority's liquidation three years ago. This 21-year-old deal, uh, which is pending approval by the Metropolitan Football Stadium District, would rename the stadium's Empower Field, or what's your name? It too, Empower Field at Mile High, through 2039 for an undisclosed amount. The company and the team announced in a joint statement Wednesday, uh, based on the Denver metropolitan area, that Empower Retirement is the nation's second largest retirement plan provider and has been the team sponsor since 2015. Empower was born in Colorado, but their associates serve working Americans across the nation, many of whom follow the NFL. This agreement gives the a chance to show support for the beloved hometown team and the vibrant local community. Empower Retirement CEO Edmund Murphy uh, stated uh, in the announced deal. Invesco originally won the naming rights to the stadium in 2001 in a 20-year deal valued at $120 million. Kind of my thoughts. It's interesting, and I get it. I mean, if you're partnering with somebody and you're allocating a large source of funds and resources uh, toward these organizations for an extended period of time, obviously you would want something to show for it. Some type of plaque, some type of recognition, something that says, hey, you know, my money has gone to the development of this specific thing. Um, so hats off, uh, Empower, Empowerment Stadium, and, 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 you know, Empower Field at Mile High is going to be the suggested proposed name and power field at mile high uh I, I, it, you know it's straight i mean it's kind of like you know wrigley field you know guaranteed rate i mean i i don't think people are so impressed with the name of the field as they are with the performance of the team uh so you know hats off to them i i wish them luck uh good luck and you know i hope everything goes well obviously Seems like the deal is already in works and will probably be approved. Uh, and it will be, I think, a great time uh, for both entities. Uh, so this is obviously, you know, a win-win. Uh, more money, you get your own name on the wall. It's kind of, uh, we'll call it the, the billionaire's dream just to have your name on something. But it, it's cool. Uh, look forward to it. Uh, empower. Like I said, they're a major employer, major provider in the Colorado area. They're stable of the community. Their name probably should be on the stadium, and it's probably more recognizable than just you know having a geographical fact like Mile High. So hats off to the 
uh, and power uh, for this deal. According to Greg Lucci, uh, Greg LaRucci has stated that the Jackson National Life Insurance Company has suspended fee-based annuity sales in New York due to best interest rule. Uh, Greg goes on to state that the um, company has suspended the sale of these fee-based annuities in New York in response to a new rule that imposes tougher standards on brokers and life insurance agents selling insurance products in the state. This rule requires sales of annuity and life insurance products to be in consumers' best interest. It took effective on August the 1st, 2019 for annuity sales and will take effective as far as uh, implementation for life insurance products on February the 1st, 2020. Jackson National Life Insurance Company alone, many other insurance are also gearing up to pull annuity and life insurance products from the New York market due to the rule. According to the industry experts familiar with these deliberations, Lawrence Repka, the president and CEO, of Valmark Financial Group said he's meeting this month with two advisory firms and they are currently affiliated with an insurance company. The insurer will, or understandably, which he declined to name, is pulling out of the New York market because of the new rule. Affiliating with a different advisory firm will allow those advisors to keep selling in the state. Uh, it is a watershed change, uh, Mr. Ripka said. Of the New York regulations, it's the largest, not largest, but largest change uh, that he has seen in 33 years in the life insurance business. Here, here's my thoughts. So, you obviously want to create uh, heightened consumer protection regulation. You obviously want to make sure that you have standards to ensure equity and fairness and pricing and availability for all. Um, you want to make sure that, as the article goes on to say, it's in the consumer's best interest. But because companies are so profit-driven, it's hard for them to create and sustain a profitable organization at the rate in which they want to maintain with certain regulations. So inevitably, they end up pulling out of a market or canceling uh, the whole organization. Uh, so you're always kind of battling between consumer interest and corporate interest. Now, the reality is consumer interest should always go before corporate interest. The consumer should be protected from themselves, ultimately, right? Uh, from corporations, from themselves, from outside interests. Uh, but companies have to be allowed also to compete. Uh, and to garner attention. And sometimes you run into the problem of overregulating, uh, which hurts uh, early uh, entry into these segments. Uh, I, I really think there has to be a deeper look into creating a new harmonious balance between consumer and the corporation. Um, we have to protect the consumer at all costs. These rules, these standards, these regulations are needed. There has to be more of an effective strategy in making sure that when these things are implemented, companies are not allowed to just belly up, um, just to belly up. If they have slowed down in profitability, in profitability, if they have lessened in their revenue and sales, then that's an argument. But if it's just a precursor or a defense mechanism to anticipate what they think will happen, 
as far as a negative backlash uh, than that is to me uh, misappropriated misappropriated strategy uh, and a failed uh, strategic plan. Uh, this balance has to be established and implemented uh, going forward or we're going to see more and more responses like these from companies that feel too overregulated uh, in these markets. The U.S. dollar has just hit a two-year high and it is on the fringe of making another major milestone uh, on Tuesday as a slowing global growth, economic growth, and more aggressive monetary easing overseas sent investors into the reserve currency. The U.S. dollar index rose to 99.37, which is the highest level since May 2017 when it hit 99.69. Uh, the index, which measures the greenback against a basket of other currencies, is teetering near the 100 level, which it has not hit since April 2017. Um, there has been executive pressure upon the federal chairman, Jerome Powell, to lower interest rates and even um, President Mario Draghi's negative interest rates in the eurozone. The euro plunged to a 28-month low against the dollar, the U.S. dollar, on Tuesday as investors priced in deeper negative interest rates uh, from the ECB. Money market estimates on an 80% probability that the ECB will lower its benchmark rate by 20 basis points when it meets next week. Here's my thoughts. The U.S. dollar is doing well, has continued to do well. I don't think lowering interest rates is the right to move. I think that is uh, like a vitamin B12 shot. Uh, instant energy, but may not correct or or stable off or, or put up barriers against what is feared Yes, it will create some type of instant impact and positive surge in the stock market. But will it really create long-term sustainable growth? Um, and to that, I say no. Yes, the U.S. dollar is doing better uh, than the euro, uh, which has plunged to 28-month low. But I think the the cautionary tale or the, the steps that uh, the U.S. government has to take is to make sure we can maintain growth because sometimes you can grow too fast and growth can become dangerous. You have to maintain growth and implement the necessary steps to even slow down so that we can track positivity and allow the marker of progress to be stable and consistent, not sporadic and volatile. Um, the volatility of this whole gesture, whole, whole move, is fringent upon, you know, our currency uh, compared to others. So therefore, let's not. Let's reinvest into things we know that are proven growth strategies. I would not pressure the chairman of the Federal Reserve Bank to lower interest rates uh, anymore. I will, I think, a joint meeting on an effective strategy and going about it uh, with the fairman and, uh, the, with the federal chairman and, and, and his team is needed and desired, but to call for an action or executive action that they have to, I think ultimately will be problematic. According to Greg Hines, there's a new proposed initiative that Chicago could sell Michigan water to Joliet. 
uh, deal worth tens of millions of dollars a year in advance. Um, as far as a sign of how serious the talks are, Chicago Chief Financial Officer Jenny Bennett took time out to try to determine how to fill Chicago's budget hole that has exceeded a billion dollars uh, in this proposed initiative that basically we uh, would establish a pipeline to Joliet and Joliet would uh, utilize our water, would utilize Michigan, you know, uh, water, uh, Michigan Lake, the Lake of Michigan's water. Joliet now uses well water, but the aquifer it and other western suburban communities rely on has become inadequate and faces increasing problems with radon pollution. At the same time, Chicago already provides water for more than 2.5 million suburban restaurants, uh, not restaurants, but residents, faces both increasing costs and increasing competition from Evanston. Uh, like Chicago is located on the shores of Lake Michigan and has been expanding its bulk water sales to other communities. Any actual water sales to Joliet would be years off and Chicago officials, speaking on background, insist that any profits would not accrue to the general city treasury, but would stay within the city's independently operated water system. If this is done, supposedly from selling our water to, selling our water, but selling uh, the water governed by the city of Chicago to Joliet, uh, it can bring in uh, above $26 million a year. This figure, or that figure could grow if the other suburbs uh, join in. Sources say preliminary discussions have occurred, though none have advanced as far as those with Joliet. It's unclear who would pay for the pipeline to port the water to Joliet. Ultimately, Chicago's goal is not to make money, but rather a better regional player than it was under Emmanuel and to shore up its position as the dominant water provider in the region, Chicago officials say. My thoughts. Thoughts. This problem, This needs to happen. Joliet is on well water, and uh, I'm not a fan of well water. Uh, if you are great, just don't like the taste of it. I think Lake Michigan's water is probably the best, you know, <laughs> tap water that you could possibly buy. Um, but to say that it's not about making money. I, I think because we see the hazard, obviously, with their well system being t uh, polluted, uh, with radon pollution, when this unhealth initiative, you don't want to say that profitability is uh, viable, that somehow you could profit off of this. But to think that this is done out of true benevolence, uh, a little leery. Uh, I really think this is a uh, definitely deal that has to be done definitely initiative that has to be looked at i think that having a regional source of water um is more than appropriate building a pipeline i would ultimately create jobs and better i think uh every or better the state of illinois kind of the overall direction for growth um it would also lead, it would also help alleviate uh, budgetary problems within the city of Chicago. So, like I said, it's a win-win. And you have to also recognize that it does create a stream of revenue. Now, I think the process has to be to make sure we're doing it for the right reasons. We're not doing it just to create transaction and cost, but to really service individuals and to make sure that everybody has clean drinking water. And when that is done, and when the 
the purity of process or the process of purity and intent is intact and implemented, I believe things will go forward. Uh, but this is a great proposal, a great way to kind of step up and update some of our systems and theirs and just to push Illinois forward. This has been another episode of It Is What It Is podcast, another midweek news recap. Uh, connect with me on Twitter at Cody's Life One, Instagram at CVMK33. Love to hear from you. If you want me to cover some of the news, want me to expound upon a topic or something of interest that I definitely do my research and cover, love to. Love to have you on the podcast. Just let me know what you guys think. Thank you for tuning in. I appreciate it as always. Thanks.